Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon, or half marathon, or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, we had the amazing opportunity to interview Rhonda Folds to talk about her journey from being diagnosed with Parkinson's to running over a hundred marathons. Buckle up. This is a good one. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to... I don't know what episode this is, Mo. I think this is uh, episode nine. It's like the coronavirus quarantine. You don't know what day it is, what time it is, what you're wearing, what episode it is. (laughs) Yes, uh, we're going to call this our bonus episode because we had the amazing opportunity to interview Rhonda Folds, which you'll hear in just a minute. Oh, yeah. But first, what's going on in the lives of the crummy marathoners? So much. Busy, busy times for us. We chose the craziest time as we talked about in our last episode. I don't even think we chose this time. I think it just just all, it really just all happened. You know those things in life that just happen to you, you just roll with it. Yeah. It's kind of what we're going through right now. So we just, uh, we're in the process of selling our home. We just packed up the whole place with no help. Not that we're looking for handouts here, but no. you know, with the quarantine and the coronavirus stuff going on, we we did it all just the two of us. We did have a little bit of help. We let your mom and and uh, her husband watch our oh our future roommates, our kids. <laughs> yes, our future roommates. We're going to be living with them for two months. Can you believe it? Oh, send all the prayers. Just kidding. No, we love them so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity we have to be in Casa de. San Diego. Um, but yeah, so we, it's, it's so bittersweet. I'm just so heartbroken because we've loved this little house. We haven't been here that long and it, it's meant so much to us, but we really do feel like this is the right next step for our family. It is. So we've got that going on. We've got lots of coronavirus eating, binge eating going on. How do you fight the urge is what I want to know. From all of our listeners, can you give us some tips on how do you, when stuck in a home, 
99% of the time, how do you keep from just eating all the food? I, I don't think it helped that we were moving though, because I think we were so busy moving and because before we would go, I would go for a run. I would feel really good and I would want to eat healthy. But now I'm like so busy packing and yeah, making I, sure the kids are going to semi, you know. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just our schedule is thrown off. Yeah, so everything is so just too. a little bit thrown off. Yeah. With that, running has kind of been thrown off for both of us. I've mm-hmm. backed off on my training plan and my mileage. I've been doing about 20 to 25 miles a week, which I need to get that back up to about 35 until we start our training plan again. But um, really been focusing on speed work and tempo runs. So I'm really proud of some of the recent runs I've had, but it just goes to show that coming off of a training cycle, you're really well rested if you if you take a few days off and if you back off on your miles. So that's kind of the purpose of the taper. So I'm kind of going through the taper right now, which is not mm. intended, but we, you know, we talked last time about our marathon being postponed. Well, we're just going to take hopefully these next couple months to really work on speed and for, in most case, building up your base. Yeah. I'm really excited for that, which I think will be good since we're waiting to move into our new house. We'll be able to focus on that at my mom's. She's got some pretty good neighborhoods you can run around. It's going to start getting really hot here in Arizona, so we're going to have to start going early in the morning or super late at night. That's a good point. But that's pretty much everything new going on with us, would you say, Mo? Yeah, except we have some new friends around the world. We do have some new friends around the world. We've been so excited about... So excited. All of the outpouring from people that we've never met, of course, from India, Norway, Australia, Australia, different places across the country. Yeah. We thought we might read a couple of the shout outs that we received. Yes. And so the first one came from a listener out in Norway. Norway. We thought how cool because we've never met anyone from Norway before. Mm -mm. And she said, hi, guys, I'm following you all the way from Norway. I started to listen to your podcast when I run and it makes me feel like I'm running with friends. So my heart so happy. I just wanted to tell you guys something crazy that happened. I've never been a runner, but started running on a treadmill this winter. Hey, sounds like a lot of us, mm-hmm. except for the winter part. We don't really get winters here. Five kilometers here, seven kilometers there. Just see how it goes. And guess what? One week ago on my third outdoor jog in like a year, I ended up running 21 kilometers, half a marathon <laughs> distance. The longest I ever ran before was 12 kilometers. But Corona made me desperate to be outside, so I just kept running and running while listening to you two talking about your journey. Feel Very that. sweet. But I kind of feel like that's what we're seeing with a lot of people out there. Is people are starting to get out to run because they can't go to the gym. Mm-hmm, definitely. That is so cool. Yeah. And so she said that the time flew by. She felt like she was running with friends. Just overall, super great. We're happy to hear it. That's awesome. And I, I'm so grateful that she reached out. And another listener came from... India. So cool. And he said, I've recently started listening to your podcast. Great work there. And when we asked him uh, how he heard about us and how he got started with our podcast, he said he was searching for running podcasts and decided to listen to ours and give it a try. And he says, we sound adorable together. That's so sweet. (laughs) He said, give my hi to Mo as well. Hi, hi, hi. So for privacy, we're not going to say his name, but That was really cool. That was so cool. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, friend in Norway, friend in India. And we had a friend in Australia. Oh, that's not a good Australian. I know. I've I've always (laughs) tried. I've always tried to do 
an Australian oh. versus a British accent, and I just can never seem to figure it out. I'm obsessed with that show, Zumbo's Great Desserts on Netflix, and I'll have Harrison watch it with me, and he'll try to do an Australian accent, and it's just, it's a no-go. Zumbo is awesome, though. He is so cool. Honestly, I think he's one of the coolest people, like coolest bakers, or what do you call him? He's not a baker, is he? He is a baker. Oh, he's a baker. Well, chef baker, but he's just so happy, and he just seems like he has so much passion for his work, his job, his 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 career. Yeah. Hmm, it's all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so our listener in Australia, he, he said that he's from Mount Martha in, in Australia. Mount? Never heard of Mount Martha. Mm-mm. But one thing that I thought was fun that he said, he goes, I was looking on the podcast app on the iPhone and I got sick of listening to elite runners. What? When we started this podcast, we kind of had the same mentality. It was, you kind of get intimidated by these Olympic and Boston qualifying marathoners. Oh yeah. Nothing against them. Come on. We're going to have them on the podcast. In fact, Rhonda Folds was a Boston qualifying marathoner. You'll hear that on our podcast today. But you know, sometimes it's nice to just hear from people who are at that same level that you are everyday people everyday people yeah that's really cool i i get the intimidation factor for sure but i'm so shocked that people want to listen (laughs) (laughs) well keep them coming if you guys like what you hear send us send us a note and we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast but thank you to our sweet sweet amazing friends in norway and india and australia you really truly made our quarantine so much more enjoyable and motivated us to keep going, keep running. Absolutely. So without further ado, we want you to hear this amazing story. And just to give her a little bit of an intro, Rhonda Folds is a amazing inspiration. She found out, and I won't give away too much, uh, that she had a a disease that I think most people would say was going to hinder uh, the rest of their lives mm-hmm. and really stop them from doing anything from, from stepping outside of their comfort zone. But not Rhonda. She decided to run not one, not two, but 100 marathons. 100. Mic drop. So here she is, my interview with Rhonda. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Well, sir, I appreciate the invitation. Thanks very much. Well, yeah, we're, we, we heard about you. And of course, we, we're big listeners to the Marathon Training Academy. Right. And we thought it would be such an honor to be able to interview you because, of course, you're, in our minds, a, a legend in the marathon <laughs> world. So <laughs> we appreciate it. So just to introduce you to all of our listeners... Um, I kind of want to start just kind of from the beginning and get to know you and, and have our listeners get to know you and have you tell us your name, where you're from, favorite pastimes aside from running, okay. um, your career, if, if, you know, if you have a family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Rhonda Folds. I'm 56 years old now. I'm from Justin, Texas, originally from upstate New York. I moved here to Texas about 25 years ago. I, uh, my favorite pastimes are cooking, eating, <laughs> running. <laughs> um, my dogs, I have five dogs. Well, I have four now, but um, animal lover all my life. Basically now I'm like an adult onset athlete. You know, I decided that I wanted to be a runner in later life. 
So um, marathons, half marathons, just pure craziness. But that's mostly my hobby right now is running. Well, anyone who knows your story, that's that's obvious. But yeah, yeah. Um, and so you said you had kids, right? I do. Yes, I have three boys who are all grown now. That's They're awesome. All, yep. I'm I'm one of four boys, so I definitely wow. understand <laughs> that family dynamic. Yes, I I would have continued to have children, but I really wanted a girl, and I thought, okay, I just need to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mom's mentality. She she kept trying, kept trying until a girl came that that never came. So she's. Yes. She spoiled our, you know, my cousins and right. which were, you know, were her nieces uh, as if they were her daughters. Right, right. Yes, I do that as well. <laughs> we appreciate you getting on because we are so inspired by your story. Uh, Mo's not with me during this interview, but but she'll listen afterwards. Right. Um, so so we're husband and wife and, and basically um, we're documenting our marathon journey as we go because we're, you know, baby runners. We're same type of thing. It started in our adult lives, but. But we're so fascinated by the the benefits of of running on, on someone's health and, and overall psyche, and just think it's such a great adult sport because it, it's sustainable. It's something that you can do and you can feel good about for a really long period of time. Right, right, absolutely. And I'm sure I'm sure you've felt the same. And so I I want to get I want to get a better understanding of why you started to run as an adult. From what I understand, you were in your 30s. Is that kind of when you got started running? I, yes, I, well, I actually have been running since, um, I was much younger, but I never ran a road race or any type of a recorded race until 2010. So, um, that was, you know, 10 years ago. So I would have been, I think I was 46 when I ran my first race, first ever road race. I had been, I ran all of my life. Even when my kids were babies, I would run, but I just kind of, I never had a watch or never kept track of time or anything. I would just, to kind of get out of the house for a few minutes, I would go out and run even when my boys were really little. Um, so yeah, it was, it's been, um, been a long journey, but (laughs) I've been running for a long time. Just never really got into the the whole idea of running for time or running against other people. When did you start training for your very first race? I actually trained, had no idea what I was doing. I, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. I had never run a 5K, 10K, none of that. <laughs> Sounds and like so, me. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to go run a marathon. I didn't even know how long a marathon was. I knew it was a really long ways, but I was going to go run the marathon. So I went out and started training for it. And if you could call it training, I, I didn't talk to anybody. I knew nothing. Old shoes, you know, the whole the whole business. Um, and it was in that same time that I found out I had Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. So I stopped running. I just didn't, I didn't continue on with it. And that was in, um, the first time I started training, it was to run the white rock marathon. I believe that was in 1998 that I was going to run that marathon. So 1998, and, you're kind of running casually. You decide randomly one day I'm going to run a marathon. What, <laughs> yeah. what was it that, that inspired you to run a marathon that first time? Um, I, you know, I had been looking back over my life and I thought, you know, I want my kids to be proud of me. They were little at the time. I was like, I I want them to have something to remember me by this, a big thing. I'd never really done anything big in my entire life. And I thought this is going to be it. This is going to be my thing. That's so I was going to go out there and run a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And and so I kind of glossed over the the really major detail that, that kind of kept you from running for a little while, but we'll dive back into that. So you you thought this would be such a great idea, prove something to your kids. And and I can definitely, um, 
understand where you're coming from with that. But but how did you discover that that you had Parkinson's? Like, where did that come from? How did that come about? Well, I was training to run the marathon, like I said, and I had some symptoms that I was ignoring. I thought that they were from maybe from overtraining. Okay. Um, I had a tremor in my little finger. I had a tremor in my jaw. And then come to find out later on, my husband, who would sometimes come over and ride his bike um, where I would run over at my track, he would ride his bike around the whole outside of the track with me and just for company. And he said I had been dragging my leg. Huh. And that's when I started to, I didn't realize it. My arm didn't, my right arm did not swing when I would run. And I didn't realize that either. Oh, wow. Um, so you're just, you're running miles upon miles and you don't realize that your leg yeah. is kind of dragging and your, your arm isn't swinging as it should. Yeah. I knew I had the tremors, but I thought the tremors were from overtraining. And sure. And back in, I feel like a lot of, I don't know if it's research or just people, more more people getting out and running, but a lot of people have these sort of myths about running back in the day. You know, I've heard stories of people passing away, you know, from, from right. um, deficiencies and training too hard or different things. So I can see how you might've had that fear that, Hey, maybe I'm, I'm not getting enough nutrition or I'm just training right. too hard. And so this stuff's happening. Cause like I said, at the time I, I just went over there and started running, you know, running extra miles. I didn't, right. I didn't have a coach. I didn't, look at nutrition. I, I just thought, Hey, all these people run marathons every year. So I certainly can. So I thought, sure. you know, then I figured out how many miles it was and started building up to it. So I really had no, really had no clue about anything except that I had loved to run. <laughs> sure. Sure. So you, you start to notice that you're, you're dragging a bit and, and this isn't natural. And so what do you do? Do you go see the doctor and, and then it was yes. a pretty quick diagnosis. Well, not really. I mean, eventually I did, I, I went to the doctor, to my regular physician and he, re, he actually um, sent me to, to a neurologist in Dallas. And I actually had two different neurologists that ended up diagnosing me um, because I, I didn't believe it at first. So I went to one and he was like, I think you have Parkinson's. And I thought, no way. So I didn't go back to him. And then they, <laughs> then I went to yeah. a different neurologist and he said the same thing. And I thought, oh no, you know, um, wow. but that was all close to a year later. That was close to a year later from the time that I first went to the doctor. Because at okay. that, at that time, there weren't as many people, young people that had Parkinson's. And so it was very difficult for them to make the diagnosis. I eventually yeah. finally had a, what they call a PET scan. And they were able to diagnose it that way, um, but wow, that's what it was. I, so I can I can see myself doing that too. Thinking, yeah. oh, there's no way I'm I'm healthy. I feel great. There's that's a yeah usually a disease that I think more elderly people tend to get. Right, right, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, right. My grandfather had it, and passed away from it, and he was much older. So sure, um, I mean, everybody knows somebody that's had Parkinson's, and it's usually older people. Yeah. Now, did, did you, did you do any running from the time you saw that first doctor? Did you, did you end up doing that marathon? I did not. I, it actually did become my first marathon, but I did not run it that year. I didn't, it was my first marathon in 2011. So I actually finally did run it, but a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff happened in between there. In between. Know? Yeah. Well, yeah. so that was 98. So yeah, between 98 and 2010, Obviously, there's 12 years unaccounted for. So, right. so what happened during that time? So you get the the, di the second diagnosis, and you finally buy in and think, okay, yeah, yeah, I've, and then I've probably I probably got this. Yep. And then for some reason, I 
I related running to Parkinson's. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense now. But at the time, I thought running maybe not caused me to have Parkinson's, but I thought that it brought out my symptoms worse and made it more evident. So I just completely stopped running. I just, I didn't do anything for myself. And I gained a lot of weight. I think I thought in my mind, I was like, this is an old person's disease and I have to be careful of myself and not do anything that's going to cause it to get worse. And so I basically just sat around, which is the worst thing for Parkinson's. It's the worst thing for any illness, really. So were you in pretty good shape before I was. you were diagnosed? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And and then you said you, you put on some weight? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I got to the point um, about five years after my diagnosis, my illness actually moved along pretty quickly. I don't know if it's because I stopped exercising or just it was going to. I'm not sure. But I... Um, I was in really bad shape and I couldn't, I was in a wheelchair. I could barely even walk. Um, wow. And I put on close to a hundred pounds. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of weight and I'm, I'm only five, six. So it's not like I'm a real tall sure. person. And it was really obvious to everybody else that I put on a lot of weight. I think I just ignored it pretty much. I mean, I've, I've thank goodness never had to deal with a, a chronic illness, but I would imagine that when that happens, it, you know, you, have that those thoughts that anything that I do, I, I need to, I'm delicate now. So I need to, yeah. you know, take extra care of myself. And, and I, I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone could blame you for that, but you know, I would say that's probably just hearing your story rock bottom for you where you yes. gained a hundred pounds, you're in a wheelchair. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of people's story ends, right? They, yeah. And they that, that would just, have been, I took 30, 33 medications at 33 pills, I'll say per day at that point before I, had my brain surgery and started to recover and do better. Um, I was wow. taking up to 33 pills a day. So, um, 33 pills. That's, that's hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> so you, so you take all these pills and then, um, at what point, what was the turning point? Was it the surgery that you mentioned that um, kind of turned things around or I had, I had my first brain surgery, um, called deep brain stimulation in 2004. So I was 40. I think it was about five years after I was diagnosed. Um, it, it did help me tremendously, but I still had the opinion that I should not, especially after brain surgery, you know, I thought, Oh, now I've really got to be careful. Um, yeah. And then when I went back to the doctor after the brain surgery, I was still in the wheelchair, even though I could walk, I still had this odd feeling that I was supposed to be careful of myself. And when I went back in, he said, you know, you're too young. He said, you could do so much more with your life. He said, you're too young. You're overweight. You need to do something. I was mad at him because I thought, you don't understand. You know, he's a young guy. Yeah. yeah. You don't understand. I'm sick. You know, and he was like, you are sick, but you, you, in order to have a better life, you need to get up and do stuff for yourself. You need to start taking care of yourself. And it made me mad. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I, can home. Imagine. I went home and I thought about it and I thought, you know, he's right. I'm not doing, I'm not doing the right thing by my kids. I'm not, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Um, and so I started at that point, try, this was probably, I'm thinking this was probably, um, let's see, probably 2005 was when he had that okay. chat with me. Sure. So you figured that it was still five years away. So I actually did work on getting healthier in between there, you know, and trying to do better for myself. But I didn't really, I didn't start running until about five years after that. 
I um okay. I lost some weight. I, I used to recumbent bike and I would walk and things like that, but never really got my heart rate up, never really pushed myself at all. So did this doctor that you saw, did he know, did he understand the science behind uh, Parkinson's and, and the positive effects of, of exercise? Apparently, yes. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> he did. Um, he was a very smart person. He was my neurosurgeon. Um, he, he, I really give him the credit for a lot of the reason why I'm doing so well now. Um, yeah. Because I've had several brain surgeries since then to correct some things. And he's been wow. my surgeon for all of them. Um, so can you share with us a little bit of the science behind that, that uh, how exercise affects Parkinson's? Yes. Um, there's been, you know, when I was first diagnosed, there was very little known about it. Um, nobody ever said to me, you know, you really should be exercising because that's going to help. Um, they have found out now that difficult exercise when i say difficult i mean like where you sweat and you get your heart rate up not just like walking around the block is um one of the only things that has been proven to slow the progression of parkinson's they've done a lot of studies on it um it's it doesn't have to be running it can be biking as well something that something that really you work really hard at to get your heart rate up um sure and there's been, if you look it up, there's been tons of studies about it. Um, okay. I figured it out a few years ago on my own. And then I started seeing all these things that, you know, how much it would help. And I thought, oh, wow, I feel like I've been vindicated because it actually is working, you know? <laughs> <laughs> how, what did the reversal look like? I mean, so you um, start running and how did, how did you feel? Well, it was, it, my son was actually home from the Marines on, on leave. And I was just walking at that point. It was not running. And he went with me to the park and he said, he was like, mom, when was the last time you ran? And I could not remember. I said, I don't know. And he was like, let's try to run a little bit. And I was like, no, I can't run. I said, I'll, I'll fall. I'll trip. You know, he's like, no, I think you can. And so we tried running and we would run from like one pole to the next at the park. <laughs> and it, it lit up my brain. It made me feel so good. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my God, I can run. I can run and I feel good. And I thought, even if I die from this running, at least I'll die happy. At least I'll feel good, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it took off from there. It was, it was like a miracle. It just, wow. just took off. So Now, when you say you felt good, though, I would assume you still experienced a lot of, and probably even to an escalated degree, but a lot of the, the pains that most runners feel yes. is, you know, muscle pains and, mm -hmm. and joint pains and all that kind of stuff. But you're, you're talking more so just mentally, you, you just felt great. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, my legs were like, yay, we can run a five minute mile. It wasn't anything like that. It was <laughs> like, it was like my brain actually like turned on. And one of the things with Parkinson's is that the dopamine that you, that we all have, the, the feel good chemical that we all have, um, disappears. It, it just leaves. <laughs> And it's a slow process, but they say that by the time you're diagnosed, about like 50% of it is already gone and it cannot be replaced. So wow. that's why the medications that they give you are actually artificial dopamine that makes you feel better. Huh. Um, so running actually can create dopamine for a while. Um, and that's wow. why I have to run quite a lot because if I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't stay. It's kind of a temporary thing. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's this natural, this natural drug that you've discovered mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of, it's like a superpower. It kind of wears off if you don't get back out there. Yes. Yeah. Keep running. That's why I try to run wow. a little bit every day. Um, even if it's okay. not a long distance. So then, then you decide you're going to get back into running. Was it a slow progression into the marathon? Uh, Kind of. I mean, I, I ran my very first road 5k in November of 2010. And then we ran, my son and I ran a bunch of 5k's in that year, believe it or not, between November and like January 1st, we ran like five 5k's. And wow. then okay. it was the next year in 2011 that I ran a 10k, a 15k, a half, a 20 miler. And then at the end of the year, December on my birthday of that year, December 8th of 2011 is when I ran my very first, I did actually run the Dallas marathon that year. That was my very first marathon. Wow. So, so, so in a matter of about a year. Yeah. But in a matter of about a year, I trained and run my first marathon. All the while with, with, I think what some people would view as a, as a, a disease that wouldn't allow you to do so. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there's times that I'm out there running and I'm thinking, oh, I should not be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> what has anyone told you you really shouldn't be doing this, Rhonda? You, you know, you this is too much on you. Friends. Has anyone sometimes family? They'll be like, I think you're doing too much or, you know, and they're right. Sometimes I do push myself too hard. But, um, yeah. you know, what what's the downside to it when you think of it that way? I'm. You know, sad to say, I don't even know if you want to put this in the podcast, but if I died tomorrow, I would feel I would, I'd be okay with that because look at how much I've, look how far I've come, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very inspiring and we haven't even talked about what I think is one of, I mean, getting out and doing your first marathon, having Parkinson's is, is amazing, but I think one of the most amazing things about you is that you've run over a hundred marathons mm-hmm. and you've done that in a time period of about, would you say 10 years, 10, 11 years? Yes. Um, from 2011 to the current date. Yeah. So not even, so let's say nine years now, how, how is that even possible? That's more than 10 a year. Well, let me do my math here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Yeah. The, um, the biggest year I think was 2016. I ran 26 marathons. So I ran one every <laughs> other week. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we got to talk about that because the idea with our podcast is we want everybody to know that it doesn't matter what level you're at. You know, you can be Elliot Kipchoge or you you can be um, (laughs) the slow. Well, no, come on. (laughs) The the slowest person on the on the course. It doesn't matter. Just getting out there and doing it is is so amazing uh, of of an accomplishment. So one every other week what it, when you get out there what is do you have time goals do you have uh, like is it just to complete just to get to the finish line it depends um i always say i always say you know that my goal is just to finish in the time limit like i don't want to make race directors or or um volunteers stay out there longer just for me i never want to do that so i always work my best i look at what the time limit is i say can i do this Sure. And then I'll push to try to finish in that time limit. And uh, I, I don't usually have time goals, but, you know, I'll be honest, I'm competitive as well, even sure. if it's just with myself. So I usually go out there, like, say if the time limit on a marathon is six and a half hours, I'll be like, I think I can run it in six. Okay. Most of my most of my 100 marathon times, I have my PR is a 426 
my um, longest marathon was in Wyoming. It took me 751 because I walked the entire thing. Um, so I have in a range from four and a half hours all the way to almost eight hours. So wow. I've got all, all kinds of experience and, you know, whatever the time limit is, sometimes I break down and can barely finish. It just depends on, depends on the day. Well, that was going to be my question was your PR. So you said, you said a four and a half. Yeah. 426. I think it was like 426.30. I ran the Four Worth Marathon. Um, that was my, my PR. And I've had a few that have been very close to that since that time. A couple sure. of years ago, I, I started cross training and actually got faster. Yeah. Um, and ran like the Houston Marathon at 443 and you know, after I'd been running like six hour marathons. So. That's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. What's the Boston qualifying time for your age group at that time? Um, well, it was, I think right now it's 410. Okay. But I actually run in the mobility impaired group. I've never actually been able to run a 410, even though I've tried. Sure, I sure. really worked. I really wanted to qualify for Boston in my age group rather than in the mobility impaired group. Yeah. Um, but. I have to run a 559 in the mobility impaired group okay. in order to qualify. And I've done that for, I, I've run Boston seven times now. Wow. So That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's a lot of people's dream. That's my dream is to qualify someday. I, I'm so far yeah. from it. I, I've only done one marathon and it was 410. And, and, um, it, See, that would be my dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I yeah. also obviously don't have a lot of the same struggles that you have to deal with with Parkinson's, but yeah. that's amazing. So you've run Boston. Can you, I've lived in Boston. Um, my wife and I, we lived there for about almost five years and that's really what intrigued us in running is, is the culture out there of, of just everybody seems to be a runner and oh, it's amazing. Can you, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about your experience uh, running the Boston marathon? It's, it's the most um, awesome and exhausting marathon ever because there's, as you know, if you live there, there's people, along the entire 26.2 miles screaming and yelling. <laughs> I mean, it's like a scream, it's like a scream tunnel for 26 miles. Wow. You know, it's just, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, but it's also exhausting for somebody like me because a lot of times in order to be able to keep running, I have to try to get in my own head and uh, black out everything on the outside. You cannot do that at Boston. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's amazing. I, in the whole time that I lived there, I never went out to cheer on the racers, most, mostly because I had to work. And I know it's Patriots right. Day out there. It's a holiday. But for some reason, the company I worked for didn't, didn't have that day off. But right. um, oh, that's amazing. How do, you stay, how do you stay entertained? If you're out there for six hours, five hours, seven hours, how do you yeah. stay entertained when you run? Um, I have a very vivid imagination. I always have. I've always been able to entertain myself. Um, because people have asked me that before, you know, like, how do you, for six hours, how do you entertain yourself? Um, if I'm running by myself, it's with music usually or podcasts. Okay. I listen to Marathon Training Academy. I've listened to every podcast they have. Sure. Um, I, I listen to things about nutrition. I've never had a coach. I've always coached myself. So I do a lot of research, listen to a lot of books on tape, things like that. Um, and I'm able to lose myself in that when I, when I run, if not, I run with a lot of friends. Okay. I've had guides at races. I'm allowed to have a guide at like the major marathons. Sure. Um, and so that helps. 
in Boston, it's like there's so much going on that there's no way you could be bored, <laughs> no matter how long you were out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I um, I I was wondering because you're yeah you're out there for a while and and do you? I mean, you're on your feet for a long time. So do you kind of yeah. do walk around intervals? I I have. Um, I looked at the Jeff Galloway method and yeah. and figured that out. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It just depends on how I feel for the day. And I never really know how I'm going to feel until I actually get out there and start to run. Sure. So um, usually that's the way if I'm struggling for the day, I usually will use walk run. Um, I always take my timer with me and, and, uh, because I feel like that's just as legitimate. However, you can cross that finish yeah. line, you know. Yeah. Under your own power. Wow. So. Okay. So, what would you say to someone who's got a debilitating, whether it's a disease or some type of circumstance, and that, and that's their excuse for for not running? Um, what What do yeah. you say to those people? I, you know, I feel like, regardless of whatever your situation is, everybody can do something to help themselves. I didn't think you know, 20 years ago that I was going to be able to do any of this. If you told me that I was going to run a hundred marathons, I would have thought you were crazy even to run one marathon. I feel like everybody is capable of more than what they think they are. And it, 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 it sounds cliche, but what you tell yourself is what will happen. Your brain likes to be right. So if you say, I think I can go do this or I can go do this guaranteed, you'll be able to do it. If you say, I'm not going to be able to do this, you probably are going to be right. You're not going to be able to because your brain likes to be right. So whatever you tell it is what, what you'll be able to do. And that's all I've done with my life. That's all I've said, you know, since I've gotten better and I've done things is say, I think you can go out and do this no matter how crazy it sounds. If I tell myself I'm going to be able to do it, I can do it. Wow. It's, it's so inspiring. It may sound, yeah, it may sound simple, but that, that's really the secret. I, I don't think um, it's simple at all. I think it's, it's easier said than done. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. you've done over a hundred marathons. What's the exact count? Uh, 101 now. 101. And how many halves? Yeah. Oh, hundred and I counted them up the other day. 185. That's <laughs> wow. So 185, yeah. hundred full. Are you, what's next? I mean, are you hit the hundred mark? Are you done or are you going to keep going? I'm not, I was going to. I was going to quit. And then my, my youngest son said, mom, come on. He's like, you can't just quit. He's like, you at least have to run Boston every year if you can qualify. Sure. So I'm, you know, my friend and I are trying to run all 50 states and I'm only at 31 right now. So I, I figure I'll at least continue with that. Okay. Um, you know, we've both laughed about it and said, we'll be dead long before we can finish <laughs> it up. But, but it's, it's about the journey anyway. It's not even about the completion of it. It's yeah. just about getting out there and doing it. Well, Coming so. from a person who did 26 in one year, I mean, you could yeah. easily finish that in one year. So is it, you, you thought about stopping for a while. Is it still a grind? Is it still daunting to think about going out and running a marathon? Yeah, not so much anymore because I stopped putting them so close together. Okay. Um, uh, and actually that isn't even true completely because last year I ran the Twin Cities Marathon in Minneapolis. And that was number 92. And I had to be at, I just, my goal was to be at 100 for the Cowtown Marathon, which was March 1st of this year. Um, so I had to run eight marathons between October and March, which was a <laughs> lot because I had, I had cut way back. 
I cut way back in the amount that I was running marathons. So I had to really, that was a real grind. And of course, now with the virus and everything that's gone on, I have not run a marathon since March 1st, only a virtual marathon I've run. Sure. So, well, um, that's still, I, I'm, yeah. I'm probably, my goal is to maybe do two a year, but I mean, I just can't even imagine. So do you, do you train in between your marathons or do you have such a solid base built up to where you can kind of just go out there and do it? I, since 2000, I'll say 2012, I have pretty much run a marathon every month. And so I never really had to do a long run anymore because the marathons right. are the long runs. Um, that's how I've stayed in shape. Okay. And I've, you know, biked and done things. I have a rowing machine. I have a Peloton. I stay in shape that way in between. I try not to run a lot in between because I feel like my bones and muscles will break down more if I try to run sure. too much. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, Hey, we, we really, really appreciate you taking the time and our listeners I know are going to be so inspired. What, how can they find you online? Um, my, on Instagram, run roadie, R U N R H O D I E. That's the same on Twitter. Um, they can try to add me on Facebook. I think I'm pretty close to my limit. <laughs> um, of like 5,000 friends or whatever. Yeah. Or my email is folds1 at verizon.net. They can always email me. That's amazing. I have a lot of people email me questions about Parkinson's and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So, well, we, um, we really appreciate it. I mean, I mean, is there any last words or anything else that you think would be uh, worthwhile for someone just starting out as a runner? Maybe don't consider themselves a runner. Uh, anything I, you would say? I truly feel that it's mental more than more than physical. You have to say to yourself, I can do this and then go about looking how you want to do it and how you want to complete it and um, and make that what you do. Make that your hobby, make that the, the most important thing outside your life with your children and your family and things like that and work really hard at it. And I think that anybody mentally can do this. Well, you heard it. You heard it right from Rhonda, everybody. This is um, one of the most inspiring stories I've heard in a long time, and I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for well, thank coming you. on and and keep being a, a legend out there in, in the running world. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it very much. I, I'm really glad that you asked me to come on. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you for sticking around here to the end, but we are just so uh, inspired by Rhonda and her story. Honored and grateful that she took the time to talk with Harrison. And wow, I mean, she's just incredible. Mo, what stuck out to you about her and her story? Oh, well, definitely her upbeat, positive attitude. I mean, you could really feel through her interview, not only her positivity and her optimism, but also just like her kindness and how at peace she is with all the challenges that she went through. And, you know, we may be years apart from her, but I mean, I just feel like she could be my best friend. I know. She's, <laughs> I want to be her best friend. Yeah, she's, she's so such inspirational. A, such an easygoing person. Yes. Yeah. Like, I love what you said about she's almost embraced everything that's happened to her. I like that. Yes, she absolutely has embraced it. And instead of having it weigh her down, it's just lifted her up to new heights. I mean, there is a point when I got really teary-eyed because I think, what did she say? Do you remember? Because I turned to you and I was like, oh. You started to get teary-eyed. Yeah, she was talking about how 
you know, if she died tomorrow, she would die happy because she's able to do something so great. Yeah. And that to me is just so profound. I mean, I think oftentimes when people think of death, they're really scared, you know, the great unknown, or maybe they haven't done everything they want to do here. But to meet someone who's had so many significant challenges and is so, she's just amazing. She just, you know, yeah. My mom used to always tell me, don't play the victim. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever happens to you in life, you can't make excuses. And I I think that's exactly what we learned from her. And what really stuck out to me was how she went from literally being in a wheelchair, a hundred pounds overweight to being inspired to run a marathon. So she dropped all that weight and was able to not only walk, but actually run a marathon. And she's done over a hundred of them. And uh, an example to all of us that whatever the circumstances that's keeping you from getting out there, try to find a way through it. And we can see from her story that it is possible. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. We're so excited to bring you guys some, some future content that we have in the works. So hang in there with us. Yes, Share thank- this with your friends. Thank you to Rhonda for her time and her incredible story and life and just existence. And also thank you to all our friends all around the world. We appreciate you all. Until next time. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this friendly journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify, search his name under B-R-E-K-K.